Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. Largest Denver Nuggets blog on the web. Make sure to check us out. Also want to check us out on Twitter at Denver Stiffs, on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs, and of course follow us on Facebook. All right, now that we got that out of the way, uh, this this week's pickaxe is a rough one, man. We, we 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 recorded it first on Saturday, and we did a whole segment on Mason Plumley um, and whether or not he was going to sign his qualifying offer. Then, uh, as I slacked off on the editing and waited two days to post, uh, by that time Mason Plumley had signed a new contract. So, we, we decided, alright, we'll re-record that part, and we did, or we thought we were doing so, but one of our hosts, uh, Mr. Evan Fiala, bless his soul, forgot to, forgot to bring, uh, or record all of his, his podcasts. So, We've got the audio is, is we've got we've got bits and pieces, but we got a lot of good stuff here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and the first half of the show we're, we're, I'm going to kind of mix it in together. I'll, you'll probably hear me uh, narrating more <laughs> narrating a podcast. Yeah, this is this is high level stuff, you guys. Um, anyways, you'll probably hear me going in and out and letting you guys know uh, exactly where we were and what we're talking about because I want to get a lot of that conversation in there. Um, I'm going to start it off with, we had, uh, we started our talk with a little bit about Josh Childress and him signing, just me and Dan um, went through that. So I'll start it off with the Josh Childress conversation. And then after that, we'll roll into uh, the Mason Plumley stuff. Like I said, we, we missed Evan's portion of the audio on some of it. So I'll have to cut in and out and let you guys know what we're talking about. Uh, from periodically, but hopefully it'll still be good. It's good. It's good discussion. It's good content. I think it's it's a it's a good listen nonetheless. Um, the second half of the show, we're going to get into to jerseys and, and a player breakdown of Wilson Chandler. All that's fine. It's perfect. Um, so if you guys don't want to feel like fighting fighting through the beginning, maybe skip to about the thirty minute mark. You'll hit uh, you'll hit the second half where we talk about the jerseys and the Wilson Chandler and all that's nice and smooth. So. With that said, let's bust into it. Here's me and Dan talking about Josh Childress. Uh, so the Nuggets, they they bring in Childress over the week. Of course, he uh, signed to a non-guaranteed deal. They could cut him at any time. Um, Dan, is this just a camp body? Yeah, I, I think so. Like, <clears throat> the Nuggets really don't have any, like, small forwards. Right. Um, Outside of, or they have an they have an odd number: Wilson Chandler, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Torrey Craig. And so, if they're going to be doing, you know, team drills, 
Um, it, it helps to just have an extra small forward. Uh, I think the odds of him making the actual roster are like 0.0001%. 0 0.001%. I, yeah, yeah. About, about as good odds as Jimmer for day had two years ago of making this team. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. The first thing is, is that, like we said, Mason Plumlee's on sign, but uh, if he's signed, that's your last roster spot um, that you had available. Then you would have 15 guys under guaranteed contracts and two guys under two-way contracts, so that would be your full 17. Uh, so the Nuggets would have to get rid of someone. Um, that's obviously in the realm of possibility with the with – the, uh, gluttony of power forwards that they have like they could still do that i don't think though that josh childress is the guy they're thinking about bringing in um if they if they do open up a roster spot he um i don't know i mean he's what he's like 34 years old now so yeah the, he's, i mean he's quite old <laughs> yeah he, exactly so he's got that he's older than adam well that makes him ancient uh, in stiff terms, <laughs> at least, um, he's got he's got that going, uh, or sorry, so he's got that going against him uh, as as well. I mean, usually you see if the Nuggets bring in a guy, if there's that guy who like makes it, uh, makes the roster in training camp, we've seen in the past. It's usually a pretty young guy, a guy like uh, oh, who was it last year? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Jarnell Stokes. Yeah, Jarnell Stokes. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, they brought in Jarnell Stokes. Um, last year, and he made the team. I think what the year before it was was it Costas Papa Nicolau who made the team, or um, well, he was part of the Ty Lawson trade, so he right. made the team. But he, he would have been like a training camp signee because I mean, even though he actually ended up playing, but that was that was a year that we don't want to go back to. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying not to remember that, right? So exactly, but but the point being, and then even when they've brought in guys on like ten days who then end up getting contracts, whether it's Axel Tupon. Um, Sean Kilpatrick, Johnny O'Brien, Ian Clark. These are all young guys. They're not 34-year-old guys who've been touring around Europe and Australia. So, um, suffice to say, I, I, I agree with you 100%. For, to me, Childress is just a, uh, a camp buddy. I have the question in a rundown here. What would he have to do to make the roster? Um, and, and I just don't I don't think there's anything he could do. I guess he would he have to He could come have, back like Michael Jordan. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I was just saying, he would have to have a tremendous camp. First, I think they would have to make a trade, uh, uh, basically a salary dump type trade where they're getting, giving up a guy and not bringing a player back. Um, and then he would have to have an incredible camp where I think he showed that he was a decent out, had a decent outside shot and at least had something in the tank on defense. Um, and then maybe they keep him around as the emergency small forward. But that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of... Work that and things that would have to happen uh, for for Childress to make it. Let me ask you this though, Dan: Is there anybody on the roster right now who you think you would prefer to have Childress over? You mean anybody that? Are you saying that I would rather have Childress instead of somebody on the roster? Correct. Um, no. no. I think every every single player on the Nuggets roster right now is better than Josh Childress. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. I was say, I mean, I guess the only debate would be uh, probably a guy like Tory Craig, who is who is eight years younger. Um, but Tory's on that two way contract, so he. I, I, it would be so weird to take. A, why would you do that? Why would you take a guy like Josh Childress, the thirty four year old, and put him on a a contract that's intended for development of young players? Um, We've that, we've probably talked about him more than he will ever see time with the Nuggets. <laughs> 
this is this is fair. This is fair. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We will. Uh, we'll just we'll just move on then. It's good. Good. Good discussion. Wait. There. If you want to impress your friends, though, if you're talking with your friends about Josh Childress, Josh Childress led the Atlanta Hawks in win shares three out of four years when he was on the team. So that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, they they that never is. won more than like thirty seven games, thirty games. But still, I mean, <laughs> back in the back when I was in high school in the early two thousands, Josh Childress was lit. <laughs> he was lit. He was the man. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess if anything about him, you could say he he is the cautionary tale. He was the first guy to do it. a Nugget player. Linus Kleiza ended up doing this as well, but he was the first guy to spurn an NBA contract in favor for a European contract. When he when his contract expired with the Hawks, he could have signed either with them or another team. It wasn't like there was no interest. There was, but I think Olymp- Olympiacos had uh, they offered him like way more money. Uh, and and with the transfer rate and everything, it, it turned out to be the best, most lucrative deal. So he went and did it, and of course his career uh, dive bombed after that. So he looks like if you ever ever seen the movie Semi Pro with Will Ferrell, he looks like the, char- the character Clarence. <laughs> yes, that's that is an apt. That is actually a fairly apt comparison. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we need to spend on Josh Childress. Plus, I think I see Evan now has joined us. So. Let's let's get into the meat of the show, which is Mason Plumley. He re-signs three years, forty-one million dollars. Um, let's get into it, Dan. I'll let you. I'll let you lead us off. What do you think of the Mason Plumley deal? I just think it's really bad. <laughs> um, you're paying thirteen and a half million dollars to a guy that's going to be playing fifteen to twenty minutes a game. Like, you have five power forwards on the roster. So there's not very many opportunities for him to get minutes at power forward. You'd like Nikola Jokic to be playing 30 minutes a game. Uh, That leaves 18 at center for a backup. And he's going to be getting paid almost, you know, like a million dollars per minute per played per game. Like it's just, it just seems like they overpaid a lot for someone that they didn't need to. Like, I don't know what other teams are competing for him. Um, I, I don't know if they, they were just like decided they had the money and they could spend it, so they were going to. Uh, like this puts them in danger of right. having to pay the luxury tax, and I don't know what their ceiling is. You know, if if some of the players don't reach the expectations that some fans have for them, like they just really hamstrung themselves. Like we we've been Nuggets fans have been having to deal with trade rumors for Kenneth Freed for the last three years. Uh, you know, two, two or three years ever since he signed his big deal. At least. And, like, it's just, it, it's probably been such a drag for Freed to have to deal with those trade rumors every, like, every single season he's rumored in, to be interested in dealing to another team because the Nuggets are like, man, this is such a bad contract. We have to get out from this. And then, like, they're they're so close to getting out of, from underneath the kind of free contract, and they go and sign, like, just as bad of one for a guy who's, destined to be a backup and never he's probably not going to be a starter unless there's an injury so right i I just think it's it's a really terrible decision (laughs) to put it to put it plainly all right i'm gonna i'm gonna hold (laughs) off on just a second i want to get i want to get evan's thoughts evan what do you think on the on the deal i'm on team dan i mean in a vacuum it's yeah no so so in a vacuum the deal is really not that bad like financially but 
the good news or the problem is we're not in a vacuum and uh, looking at the team and and his role and the minutes played and the log jam and all that already like it's it's I just don't see why they had to to pay him that much um you know playing it back a minutes and I don't really want him playing much next to Jokic or Fareed and so it just it just creates a lot more problems I think than it solves um with this deal I was Honestly, I was hoping that he would just take the QO and then, uh, you know, either not come back next year or we figure it out then. But, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it a whole lot. Right, yeah. And, like, so, like, we were – a couple things that were – like, we were talking when we originally did the pod. If he signs the QO, you pretty much assume he's gone because only once um, in the history of the qualifying offer has anybody ever re-upped after playing under the qualifying offer. Um, they're re-upped with the same team, that is. Um, the other thing, I mean, I, I agree with you guys in the sense that, like, I, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of Mason Plumlee playing next to Jokic. Uh, clearly, I think that's going to happen now. Um, I think because, as you pointed out, Dan, I mean, they're, they're paying him a, a pretty penny. You can't really uh, justify that if he's only playing about 18 minutes a game. So I think we have to uh, expect him to play next to Nikola Jokic, which, which I'm not a big fan of. That being said, so you're right. Evan, in a vacuum, this is this is on the high end of what the market value is for Mason Plumlee. And I base that off of essentially Kelly Olenek getting $12.5 million. He's also a career backup center. He's going to Miami. He's not starting over Hassan Whiteside. Um, so Mason's getting a million more than him. And you... They're, they're really similar in terms of production. You can argue Mason a little bit better. Um, but the point being... In a vacuum, the market value is it's not it's not terrible. It's on the high end. It's not terrible. Like you guys said, though, we're not we're not operating in a vacuum here. And I think if the biggest issue I have with it is it really doesn't help your power forward situation at all. Which it, it makes it worse. Which I I don't understand how we can continue to make or how the Nuggets can continue to make the power forward situation more complicated than it already is. They keep finding ways. That but with all that being said. You, you had to, you you had to make a choice, and your choice had to be: Do we want Mason Plumley on this team long term or not? Because I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be a prescriber to the idea that the Nuggets just decided to pay him 13.6 million dollars because they felt like he deserved it. I, I'm a very big believer in that was the number that he was willing to sign. That was the number that his agent had negotiated down to and was about as far as they were willing to go. I mean, we're one week, week away from the season. There wasn't a lot of time left to negotiate. So with, with, with that being said, like, I think they had to make the choice. It wasn't about, well, can we, can we get the best deal, deal for Mason possible? It was how bad do we want to piss off Mason Plumley? How bad do we want to appear to be a team who's going to hardball their guys when they've got all the leverage? And how bad do we want to send that message out to free agents in the future? Granted, they're going to have a tough time signing some free agents now with this deal. But I think that was probably more of, of their thought process and, and the reason they paid him what they did. Because you guys are right. There wasn't a ton of leverage in terms of Mason's side other than the, the threat of, well, I'll just sign the QO and then I'll be gone next season. Dan, so you, though, you've been looking at this, I know, and, and you, you mentioned it briefly. So how, though, then now, now if we, we accept its facts, and I, and I know this is one of the reasons that it's, it's, you're, you're concerned about it, 
how do how does this affect the way the Nuggets look going forward into next year's free agency market and the year after that? Well, okay, so Dan? some of these, some of these, <laughs> okay. yeah, some of these numbers are projected. Yeah, uh, just want to put that put that caveat out there. Um, don't tear me apart in the comment sections. You know about these are these aren't real numbers. It's going to happen anyways. Yes, we we know that. But um, so right now, <laughs> uh, Nikola Jokic is the lowest paid player on the Nuggets roster. Tyler Lydon makes more than him. Malik Beasley makes more than him. The other people that are making less than him are players on two-way contracts, um, and that's a different situation. Um, but that's this is the last season for that to be in effect, because well, most likely, because the Nuggets can choose to um, have Nikola Jokic become a restricted free agent at the end of this offseason, um, which means that they can match any contract that a team offers him. But I feel like it's probably very likely that they are going to offer him a max salary. For, and for a player in his situation, that's 25% of the salary cap for the league. Um, also, Gary Harris, this is the last year for his rookie scale contract. And he can become a restricted free agent at the end of this season as well. And it's very likely that the Nuggets are going to offer him an extension. Um, and I have a feeling that he's probably going to get like 20% of the salary cap. Um, which is about $20 million just for the 2018-19 season. Um, And I like to use percentage of the salary cap because it makes the contracts uh, make more sense just in in terms of overall value Um, in case you're thinking of like contract values from 10 years ago. But so even five years ago. Right, five years ago. Um, So if you add those contracts and then with all the other rookies, Moutier, Murray, Lyles, Hernan Gomez, Beasley, Leiden. Um, and then you have the veterans that are on the team. Jameer Nelson and Will Barton's contracts you know, expire at the end of this season. They'll be free agents. Wilson Chandler and Durrell Arthur have player options that they can choose to exercise. And then Millsap, Plumlee, and Freed will have guaranteed money. So if you're looking at just all that money right now for, for all those players, if they all... You know, if if Gary Harris signs for twenty percent of the salary cap, if Jokic signs for twenty five percent, Chandler exercises his player option, and Drell Arthur exercises his player option, then the Nuggets are going to have to be paying that team one hundred and forty million dollars, which is seventeen million dollars over the luxury tax, which means that they'd be paying thirty four million dollars extra for that roster. So, however far this team goes in the playoffs, if they make the playoffs this season. Like you're going to be bringing back that same team minus Jameer Nelson and Will Barton and paying $34 million extra to hope that those guys progress farther in the playoffs. So does that kind of answer? <laughs> I tried to go yeah. pretty quickly. Well, so, <laughs> so the, the, there's a few, a few caveats there, though, um, or, or, or a few counters, I would say. I, I would not expect Wilson Chandler to opt into his deal. He... Um, he is at, going to be 31 years old at the end of this season. And while Wilson, even though, I mean, you can you can try and argue that Wilson won't be able to get, I think he's getting like $12 million a season. You can argue that he's not going to be able to get that uh, out on the market. I would argue against that. I would say he's probably going to get close to 15 16 at least. 
But the thing about it is he's 31 years old. It's more about locking in as many years as he can rather than the dollar value per year. Because if he's if he's going year by year and with a guy like Wilson who has an injury history, suddenly next year he's 32. What if he had an injury? He might only be able to draw something like Darrell Arthur is drawing $7 million a season. So it makes sense for him to opt out. Um, Kenneth Fareed... They have to deal him. And I think the Plumlee deal 100% solidifies that. Not only because of the money issue, like you bring up, but also, as we said, the power forward rotation issue as well. Like, they have to. They just have to move on from him. I'm at the point with Fareed now where, and it sucks because Fareed is a good player. And I I personally have kind of done a 180 on Fareed as a person. Like, I really um, have started to kind of see the light about things, the way he talks about, like, fans and and how, how he wants them to, to interact more in the stadium. But the fact of the matter is, is he just doesn't fit the roster, and he makes $12 bucks a season. So he's the guy who's got to go. So I think those those two guys will, will come off the books. I think you're on point, though, with where Jokic is going to be. I think you're on point with where Harris is going to be. Um, they're going to have to make a decision on Paul Millsap, uh, and, it, and I think Plumlee's contract makes it a bit tougher to make that decision be hey let's keep Millsap around um so that that potentially uh is is in play as well so I guess I I look at it in terms of salary cap like I think it locks you in for the next three years for the length of this deal that your core is Millsap, Jokic, Harris, Murray, Plumley. that those are those are your guys that you're essentially building this team around um, but I think in three years, suddenly you're, you're opened up. Yeah, you'll probably have Harris, Jokic, and Murray. Um, hopefully those guys are all very good, and the, those are probably locked into long-term contracts. But you should have some money from Plumlee and Millsap coming off the books to be able to make a move then, and I think that's probably when your contention window is. So it might be better to just – so I, or not better, but I, I say I'm not as concerned um, because I think their long-term picture – Still looks good. Evan, what about you? How concerned are you about the salary cap now with this with this deal? Uh, I mean, I think it just depends on where you want to see the team go. I think the you know the signals from this is they're they're going kind of all in on like you're saying what they have right now, and you're also taking a, a you know a huge gamble on um, on Murray and like Juancho being really good in the next right. two or three years. Like we already know Jokic is good, we know Harris is good, um, but you know with Chandler gone. You know, next in line is Wancho, so you're really hoping that he can he can develop and become a a legit starter, um, all within Millsap's timeline. Um, so, like short term, that's kind of where it is. You'd you'd like to see him be able to make a move in free agency. You know, with how much how much is going on, um, and I feel like this Plumlee signing kind of takes away from that. But so, but but uh, longer term, you know, I think. They're still going to be available, you know, assuming all these things go come to pass, like you guys were talking about. Right. I mean, and they they have an option if they wanted to. There is an option available to them if they want to short term have cap space next season. They can. They have to do a couple of things. One, Wilson Chandler has to opt out. Two, Kenneth Freed has to be traded. Three, you can't extend Gary Harris. You've got to let him hit free agency because his cap hold will be significantly less than what his extension price would be. And three, you've got to pick up the team option, or I guess this would be four, you've got to pick up that team option on uh, Jokic 
Or, or I guess you could. Never mind. You could. You could let that one go. You, no, no, no. Like but you also have to let him hit restricted free agency. Um, if if the Nuggets don't exercise the team option on Jokic, or if if they do exercise, sorry, they do exercise, then he it, would be an unrestricted. He would still be the lowest paid player on the team again. Right. <laughs> but he'd be hitting unrestricted free agency, which would be he'd be hitting such such a no, tremendous no, no, mistake. No. Uh, It'd be a huge gamble. Like there are not words in the English language to describe how bad of a mistake that would right. be. <laughs> well, and so even though even if they decline the team option, the, and the, they would still have to let him hit restricted free agency this upcoming offseason, which is still a gamble. It's not a big gamble because you have to expect you're going to pay Nicole Jokic right. the max. Anyways. You're just going to match whatever so, he signs to. The the only downside there right. is that if if some other team offers him like a two year contract, because then. You're like, well, crap. We have to do this all over again in two years. We have to do it right. So you're you're allowing right. another team to choose the, the details of the contract, which can be really devastating for some teams. Like that's the reason Gordon Hayward left, is because his right. contract wasn't agreed to. It wasn't proposed by the Utah Jazz. It was the contract that he agreed to with the Charlotte Hornets. And so when it came time for the Utah Jazz to want to try to resign Gordon Hayward. They were playing on the, with the rules the Charlotte Hornets had set, not the rules that the Jazz had set. So they they were left dry, and now Gordon Hayward's in Boston. So uh, <laughs> you yeah. don't want Nicole Jokic in Boston, or like San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you guys are talking about talking about how like uh, how important you know signing Plumlee gives a good look that oh Denver takes care of its players, yada yada. Not extending these guys now is almost worse. I would say like, right. Based on what no, happened yeah, or with Utah. It, it's definitely it's definitely just as bad. Don't get me wrong. I think the point I'm trying to make there is that if they wanted to, they could have cap space next off season, but it would be taking a ton of risk, which I don't think any of us uh, think they're going to do. And also, part of the Woj article when he broke the Plumley news was he said that next up for the Nuggets is to try and extend Gary Harris. So it doesn't look like they're going to go um, that way as well. Let me let me ask you this, Evan. Because I think this is another interesting wrinkle of this of this Plumlee deal. Does this does signing him now to this deal and knowing that he's probably going to play some power forward minutes does it make the draft look even worse in retrospect? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, what do you do with Trey Lyles now? Exactly right. Like that, nothing about that like panned out for Denver. Uh, he's already he's already not going to get the very many minutes to begin with. So now he's just sitting here, like, twiddling his thumbs. Well, and exactly. the, the Nuggets were rumored to be sending Emmanuel Moody and Kenneth Freed and the number, was it 13 pick? 12 pick? 13. Yeah, right. 13 pick to Phoenix for Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe. So if you, if you do that, then you can totally re-sign Mason Plumley and Paul Bilsap because Plumley is getting paid almost the exact same as Kenneth Freed. So you're just you're just adding a third year, but you're just, you know, of like about thirteen million dollars per season. But instead of Freed, you get a backup center, and you and then you bring on Paul Millsap, and you don't need Freed, and <laughs> right, you know, you can just Which, play like Juancho Hernan Gomez there or something, or <laughs> as a backup for, <laughs> or put Plumley there exactly. for some minutes a game. You know, you're, if you're going to be paying him thirteen million dollars. Might as well play him for like twenty five minutes a game right. and give him five ten minutes of power forward as well. Right, which is my full assumption of what they're actually going to do. Like I think that's what they're going to do, and I, 
I think Fareed, one way or another, is going to be on a different roster here. Um, man, I, I don't know. I would be, just, just with the way this deal goes, I would be surprised if he's on the roster when, when they open up the season. Just just speculating, but it's, they, unless it's they hard want to, pay, to see. It's unless hard they to want to pay $26 million to a guy to just on the bench. Like, yeah, exactly, because... Because where does he fit? And and then you're going to piss off Lyles. And, or, or you play Farid and maybe you piss off Wancho. Like, that's it, – it just continues. This is the thing that's most frustrating for me about it because they, they, they haven't dealt with this issue. And like I said, in the show, it continues to compound. And I thought, Evan, you bring up a great point. Like, if anything, this sucks for Lyles more than anybody because, like, here he was. He was in Utah. He had a pretty good rookie season. Uh, it was promising, if nothing else. And then last year, he just gets buried behind all these other guys that they sign in the offseason, doesn't get good minutes, gets unhappy, gets traded. So now he's thinking, hey, all right, finally, I'm going to get it. Here's my fresh start. Here's my chance. And then the Nuggets go out. Well, after we traded for you, we drafted a power forward and we signed a power forward. And then we signed our backup center to enough money that's going to justify him having to play some uh, minutes of power forward. And suddenly you're like, well, what? Like, how is this any different for him? It's not. It's 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 the exact same thing. Like so, I, it, it comes back to again. Like you have to deal Fareed to even make it a chance. Like so, you could deal for Fareed, and then you could run a ten man rotation with Moutier, Barton, Wancho, Lyles, and Plumley Plumley as your backup fives. But I. How do you find enough minutes to justify like a guy like Plumlee's salary? That's where I have a, have a struggle, and I'm not a fan of ten man rotations in general. Um, well, but that, also, to me, it seems like they're forced to do it. Also, in just in terms of like competitive balance, the best teams in the NBA um, they're they're getting value from the rookies that they have on their team by playing. The, like the best thing about a rookie contract isn't just that it's it's way lower compared to the rest of the other players in the league. It's that if you can find those rookie contributors, the guys that can play in the rotation on those contracts, it's huge. So, like, you know, the Nuggets right now, it, they're really getting helped out by the fact that, like, their backcourt next season, Moutier, Murray, um, Gary Harris, and Malik Beasley, are all going to be really underpaid. Like, uh, except for Gary Harris. Right. And all of them are making under well, even, $5 million Add Will year. Barton to that. Well, uh, Even though Will Barton's not a rookie contract, add that to the, the conversation. I, I was talking about next season. But this season, oh, okay. like, this, this season, the uh, the average salary per backcourt player is $3.2 million. Like, and there's six of them. Uh, so that's that's really good. But, like, Look at you look at someone like Tyler Lydon who they just drafted. Like you're talking about Trey Lyles getting a raw deal. But like the Nuggets drafted an asset, someone that they're only paying they're paying under two million dollars for the like around two million dollars for the next three seasons. Right. He's like, well, like, I think like, it's like one point five right now. Yeah, he's one point five, then one point eight, then two point one. But like he's never gonna play. Like there is no way he's playing of over like Millsap, Plumley, Lyles. Maybe even Drell Arthur, Wancho. but like he's like, yeah, Wancho. He's like the fifth string power forward, and the Nuggets have this asset that they're that they're not, like they're not paying hardly any money to. And even if he even if he could play, like he's not even ever going to get that chance. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point too. Like Leiden, I don't. We don't know if he can play, know, but I, like he's never going to. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll never be able to find out, right? Because. I was about to get off topic here and be like, boy, wouldn't it be great to have a D-League team? But Nope, don't uh, do that. Gone pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
wrong pod, wrong pod. Um, all right, let's wrap it up on this on this Plumley stuff. Um, and this will be my final thought on it. Some people have said that this contract makes him untradeable. I here's my thoughts on it. I I, I tend to to think no as well because the thing is, is Plumley's always been a starter. He's going to be a backup here with the Nuggets. But I think I think you could if a team uh, really needed a starting center, they're going to look at that deal and be like, well. You know, we, we it's it's fine for a starter. So if if this just comes out of that, if a team believes that he can start, which I think teams would, um, and, then then apparently the Nuggets did. Shot. <laughs> yeah, well, they paid him like one. Um, yeah, you're, you're I, not roping me into this game. I just I just want I just got a couple more things I wanted to to say, and I, right. I won't say anything that'll get me fired. Don't don't worry, Zach. But uh, just some other things, uh, just that. In terms of salary cap next season, the Nuggets are paying their front court players, which are small forwards, power forwards, and centers, 82% of their guaranteed money for next season. 82%. Uh, that's a huge number. And it just it's really frustrating as a fan to see teams that are doing really well, uh, just like the Houston Rockets, who have Chris Paul and James Harden in their backcourt, or the Golden State Warriors, who have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Um the Raptors who have like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, that the league is trending more towards guards that can score, guards that can make plays. And I know that Nuggets don't have that because like their guards are really young and look at such a great playmaker. But like the league is trending more towards like a smaller skilled players, guys that can do things with the balls in their hands, with the ball in their hands. And the Nuggets have like five power forwards on their roster and two centers. And they're paying their front court eighty-two percent of their total salary, and so it's just like if if this if the these all these successful teams in the league are investing money in their backcourt or their wing players, and you know like scoring a ton of points and playing this really active defense, and that's how teams are making it far in the playoffs, and and then you see the Nuggets just sinking all this money in like big slow white guys or big power forwards. Like it's just it's just really frustrating sometimes to see, and I mean like still gonna be a Nuggets fan, uh, you know love this team I have for a long time, but it's just like it's just really hard to to understand what the front office is seeing, and like what they think their recipe for success is because like I just doesn't unless they're planning on playing like five power forwards at once, like I just don't see like why they're investing so much money in all their front court players like, but that's just. I, that's just something that, like, the main thing that I've been feeling with this trade is just, like, it just feels like the rest of the league is going this direction, and then, like, guys are just like, uh, we're good with just paying big guys. And it's like, that that just, just doesn't seem like something that's a recipe for success. And so it's a little it's a little disheartening to, to see the team doing that. And that's all I have to say about that. How are you, you going to feel when they pay 55% of their entire cap to two players who are both in their front court? Well, and I, I, I shared that on Twitter. Because it'll like, be Jokic and Millsap. So. Next, next season, like, the Nuggets could be paying Paul Millsap $30 million, Nikola Jokic $25 million, and Mason Plumlee $13.5 million. Like, that's like $80 million, and the salary cap is going to be like $103 million. So 80, 70 to 80% of their salary cap for it's, next season is going to three dudes. $68 million. But... Yeah, whatever, math. There's that, that funny BYU math right there. Uh, 
Ooh, I was a comic. I, I only say that because I got two BYU guys on the pod. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, no. I, so, I, yeah, I. That's no, not. Look, 30, I, I'm with you. Thirty plus forty-five is fifty-five plus thirteen is sixty-eight. Okay, seventy million dollars <laughs> rounding up. <laughs> but still, that's Randy. that's so much money. <laughs> That's still a lot. Of- it's still a lot. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I, I And I don't disagree about the power forward thing. That's been the most confusing thing. And I I still go back to I, I just think they, they uh, as I said on draft night, I think they got caught off guard uh, and they panicked a little bit and scrambled. Um, but that's, and, and, that's, and like, that's your we're job. We're still dealing with this mess. Like if you're a firefighter right. and the fire alarm goes off and you shit your pants, like you're a bad firefighter. <laughs> like you should be fired. <laughs> Uh, there, I was like, "All right, with all that, right, we are done. gonna we're gonna we're gonna go ahead. And actually, hit, we'll, we'll we'll hit a break. Um, we'll hit a break, and then you guys go. We'll catch the rest of our pod that we recorded earlier in the week. Dan's takes on the jerseys aren't quite as hot. Uh, no, they're not. Now. So, <laughs> all righty, we will take a break, and we'll be right back." been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest that's when disaster strikes the last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business maybe your light suddenly won't turn on or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling heck maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new ac unit whatever your need may be give sun electrical a call They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Lorre. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlorry.format.com. That's P O R T E R L O R I dot format.com. Give them a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in, but I can't escape my. 
To the Pickaxe Podcast, I'm Zach Mikosh. I am joined by Dan Lewis, and we also now got Evan Fiala on as well. He looked down at the rundown, saw that the first segment was about Josh Childress, and decided to just skip that, and then join us for Mason Plumley. I wouldn't have had anything to say anyway, so <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we, you didn't spend that much time on it. No, we we tried really hard to stretch it for ten minutes, and we we couldn't quite get get that far with it and then we had to move on to mason um all right so we uh so the it's funny it's funny nba 2k just they give zero shits about uh nike and their their schedule scheduled releases of jerseys but so we saw it early uh some people i guess i guess in australia got an advanced copy of nba 2k down there so they um or I don't know how it happened, or maybe they released it early uh, that that patch or something. Do either of you guys know how like how it was Australia who got their hands on it first? I have no idea. Maybe it's because they're a day ahead. There it is, right? They're from the future. Uh, and yeah, actually, that is actually probably probably legit because they probably did get the release one day before, um, and then that that's why they got it. But no, for, what, no, for whatever that's reason. Not how- that's not how video game releases work. <laughs> Damn it, Dan. No, I was they... trying to give you credit for being smart, and now I just look stupid. Well, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Anyways, that's not the point. Uh, the point is... Hey, Dan, I just saw you added that to the rundown. We'll get it. We'll, we'll do it here. Um, the point After is, the though, that, that we... Um, that they, they, they leaked the jerseys on on uh, from NBA 2K so everybody got a kind of a sneak preview of all these the statement jerseys and then eventually just when I think it was like maybe on Friday uh Nike actually did the event and showed them um in full the nuggets so the nuggets jersey is is pretty similar to their yellow uh skyline jerseys that they've had for a couple seasons they made a few changes they took rid of they got rid of the vertical uh, or the horizontal striping that made up kind of the skyline um, and then they got, they, they kind of went away from that Marquette looking striping on the side of the shorts, uh, and went, which is kind of bigger blocking, um, as well. So I, I'll get into it first. Uh, I guess whether or not I'm a fan, as I said before the break, a little preview, I am not, uh, I, I don't know how to put it any other way than I think these, I think they look terrible. Like this is just just the only way I can say it. I, here's here's my issue with them. It, it it really comes down to this: the 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 idea to put make the skyline yellow and just blend in with the rest of the jersey, and then make the mountains behind them white is is like the worst contrast I've seen on a jersey at all. I was looking at the Millsap, some of the pictures of Millsap in his jersey, and like I couldn't tell where the mountains stopped and where the reflection from the light started, and it all kind of like blends together. And I'm feeling like when you're sitting there in the arena and you're sitting back, maybe if you're up in, you know, you're in the up on the third uh up in the third deck, you're not even going to be able to see the design at all. It's all just going to blend together. Like if Unless you have perfect vision, you can hardly even tell. 
um, that there's actually mountains behind a skyline on the jersey. I don't. It, it looked lazy to me, and it, it, across the board. And let me emphasize this too: these are not the Nuggets designs. This was Nike. Nike had all the say um, in designing these. And and across the board with these statement jerseys, I thought they were all look like it's like they got like they like ran out of time, and they were like, well, I guess we'll just have to go with this because we we don't have any more time to design this. Deadlines tomorrow. Um, Evan, what about you, man? What do you what do you think about these jerseys? I'm on the same page. I think they look pretty bad. Uh, I don't. I don't agree with like the colors at all. Like it, it, the skyline would be really cool with the white if it was like on the darker blue they did. I think that would be bomb. But this right. just looks, yeah, like you were saying, it looks lazy. It looks it doesn't blend together. It looks, it just looks awful. I think with right. the background yellow, it just makes the city skyline look bad. It's because like the the Nuggets part of the jersey is in a darker font mm-hmm. or darker co- the darker color and so that really pops out but then the jersey number is just white and then the skyline is white and then the background is just this like bright banana yellow um and i i don't mind the color i just don't like how they've i don't know what the term is put everything together incorporated at all sure yeah. Right, yeah, no, I, I, I thought I thought that's good to bring up bananas too, because that's what I feel like they look like. They look like they look like a bunch of banana peels running around on the court. No, they're like, just getting the banana boat jerseys ready. That's all they are. <laughs> there it is, the banana boat jerseys mm. for the banana boat team. It's all it's 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 all a plot. Um, Dan, what about this man? Like, so this is this is the third jersey now that we've seen. All right, the white the white homes are essentially exactly the same. There's a few minor changes in like you know the collar. Um, and, and the, uh, uh, maybe on the, and then on the shorts, on the, on the piping on the shorts, but it's pretty much the exact same. The, the navy blue is obviously different from the powder blue, but the design again is pretty much the exact same, just they switched from powder to navy. Uh, and now these yellow ones are pretty close. It sounds like we all agree maybe they're, that they're a downgrade, but they're pretty close to, to the old yellow jersey. So damn what, like, are you disappointed that really there's not being a bunch of changes made to the uniforms? I mean, we, we, we've already got a lot of change. They added a sponsorship thing and they've done the, the whole new designs, but I don't know. I'm not really a big Jersey guy. So I just, like, as long as they wear something that wins, I mean, I, Jokic probably won't mind because he was playing for Megalex earlier in those like hideous pink jerseys. <laughs> <Those white> pink <laughs> ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. So this is an upgrade from those for him. Like as long as the players are comfortable and able to perform well, I'm glad that they don't have sleeves. Um, right. So I mean I don't know. I'm just going to try to look, focus on those positive things. They're no sleeves. They're not bright pink, um, and they pro- <laughs> they look they they seem to be pretty comfortable. There you go. I like it, Dan. No sleeves, not bright pink. Hey, that's <laughs> uncomfortable. Oh, you're trying. Uh, Evan, what about you, man? Are you are you disappointed that the, they're not making bigger changes? Yeah. Uh, but I, to be honest, I think like a lot of it is that, you know, when, when us fans hear that, oh, they're coming out with new jerseys, um, I think a lot of it was – a lot of the hype was just created, like, by ourselves on Twitter and stuff like everyone's talking oh they're going to bring back the we want the rainbow skylines and all this and so um even though the team you know and they never said don't expect you know a major change or anything I think 
we created kind of like this false sense of hype and what we wanted and like I, I mean everyone knew that it was probably time for the baby or for the yeah the baby blue ones to go um and so that that was in my mind that was a pretty big change but like from the actual design i think it's it's disappointing it was more disappointing like when the other two jerseys were released because no one had seen anything yet then but now it's like okay i know they're not going to really do anything drastic um you know on a on a larger scale like in terms of rebrand or whatever but like but this yellow one is disappointing because it's significantly worse than the other yellow one they had so i mean it, it is what it is my, my expectations for the fourth one have been lowered quite a bit right okay so let, well let, let's bust into that then so uh, the fourth jersey so like like uh, me as well once i saw this jersey come out i said okay i because you didn't know what the alternates like i had a good idea they're probably going to stick to something fairly similar uh with their just regular home and aways with the alternates, though, you didn't know. You, were, I thought it could be. You know, I, I basically was like, "Well, this could be anything." Now that I've seen this yellow jersey come out, like I almost kind of think, "Okay, so the the next jersey is just going to basically be a something close to the white gold." Dan, like you said, they're not going to do sleeves anymore, but it'll so it'll be like, but it'll still be similar uh, to that jersey, just without sleeves. That's that's kind of what I'm going into expecting this last one now. Um, Evan, what about you? What do you what are you expecting for the final jersey? Like, or is or what do you want to see? So, so the final one's like the association one, right? I guess. Like, yeah. I, is that the one? Yeah. Is, is that the one that's supposed to be like a tribute to like the past or whatever? Like, yeah, they have home away statement and ass. Yeah. So, the, uh, or association. Sorry. And the statement. Well, and hopefully ass. this one could be the ass one. To be honest, but hopefully the <laughs> the fourth Boom. one. Is, uh no i i think something similar along those lines i don't think they like the white gold thing that's probably what i would expect like you were saying or some some slight variation of it maybe obviously without the sleeves but i i can't imagine it would be anything anything more than that or maybe like a different a different version like a more modern version of one of their like 80 or like 70s or 80s designs or whatever. not the skylines right. but you know, something like that. Right. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I, and I would, man, I still, I'm, I'm, just because I'm a 90s kid, so that's the thing. Like, I still want to see them do some sort of incorporating with the, the navy, uh, burgundy and gold, or wine and gold, whatever you want to call it. Um, that, that would be cool, but I just, I'm not, just not going to get my hopes up now, because like I said, they've all been just so similar to what we saw last year. Dan, what about you? What are you hoping for in the, in the last jersey? Something that goes well with jeans? I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> practical. Yeah, I, I don't you know. It'd be nice to see him come up with something like a little bit more creative, but I mean, the, the Skyline thing is nostalgic, but like, I don't know. Let's take a step to the future. The Nuggets history, it's like really depressing. Right. We've been bad for a long time. <laughs> Right. We have, we have like three moments, right? We have, well, really, so all of Nuggets history basically has four moments and they're all pretty much still, still a disappointment. They had the, the, the time they made the ABA championship, but then lost to the Nets. Uh, they have the, when they made the Western Conference finals in the eighties and then lost to the Lakers. Uh, they have the, the upset as the number eight seed over the number one seed in the Sonics, but then then they yep. lost to the Jazz in the next round. And then they have the 09 Western Conference Finals where they lost to the Lakers. Those are like the only four, 
even good moments, and all of them still didn't ended up in them losing in the playoffs, anyways. So, hey, uh, it could be worse. It could be worse. We could have the Utah Jazz uniforms. Like, those are really bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those were the those the Thunder those were probably the worst. Right. Those those definitely were probably the worst ones out of the uh, the entire group like, of statement jerseys. But I thought it, they were all just so bad. To be honest, it looks like they peed their pants. Like. Really yeah. bad. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. Uh, all right. So uh, Dan wanted to add a section on player breakdowns, and since we're only at about thirty-eight minutes right now, I figure why not? I, I saw you put Emmanuel Moutier down there, Dan, but we actually have already done his breakdown. We did all the youth player breakdowns last uh, last week. <laughs> so I figure the best. Been listening. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I way to way to expose yourself there. Uh, but uh, I thought well, a good player to break down would be Wilson Chandler because he is uh, he is the other starter. I mean, we've done a break that we we didn't do a breakdown on Paul Millsap, but uh, we've done one on Jokic, we've done one on Harris, we've done one on Murray. Uh, so, but Wilson Chandler, I think, is into an interesting role this season because he is for the first time since he's been on the Nuggets, for the, probably the first time in his career, actually. He is the, without a doubt, starting small forward uh, on the roster. Evan, as a starter, what does Wilson have to be? What does he have to do to fit in with this team to make them successful? I think he just has to buy into the offense that, uh, like everyone else is doing. You know, he's he's a good cutter. He's a good shooter. Um, so I think, you know, I think offensively he'll fit in pretty well. Um, I don't think they're going to necessarily have to rely on him to score quite as much, which for him might pose a problem in a contract year, you know? Uh, but right, sure. But I think in terms of like general fit, he's pretty well off and, um, you know, he'd be nice if he could stay healthy the whole time. I think he's, I, I mean, expecting him to play a lot more this season, uh, you know, last season he played like 72 games, I think. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's an issue mm-hmm. as much anymore as it was in the past. Um, and then, you know, defensively, it, it's going to be pretty big for him because he's going to have to guard a lot of really great players if the Nuggets want to, you know, make right. a run or anything. So, Right. Yeah, that, that's the thing too, uh, and I want to get into his defense here in a little bit because I, you know, because to me, when I think about what he has to do as a starter, it really offense. I I really don't worry about what his contributions um, he makes at all, which maybe I should because yeah, you don't, you just don't know. But I mean, with Millsap and and with what you expect Jokic to do, um, and then with Murray and Harris next to him, he doesn't have to score a ton of points. I don't think uh, for the team to win. Dan, what about you? What do you see him as a starter needing to do to help them be successful? Well, you know, Wilson Wilson has his own unique skills, things that he's good at. <clears throat> so he's not going to be able to step directly into Danilo Gallinari's shoes and be that exact yeah. guy. But I think that the skills that he does have, I think that they can be a good complement to the team. Um you know, one of his nicknames is the Juggernaut. I think he has that tattooed on his back. He's right. got a lot to keep track of. <clears throat> but <laughs> he's very good when he's going to the rim. Um, but in order yeah. for him to, to be good on those, you know, straight line drives to the rim, um, he needs, I, I think it'd be good if he could get his three-point shooting a little bit up. Um, he shot 33.7% last season on 4.6 attempts a game. 
I think if he bad. could get that up up to like five, five and a half attempts a game and shoot 38%, I think that, that would be really beneficial to the team. Because if he's not able to do that, um, I mean, he's obviously going to play because of his defensive versatility, like Evan was talking about. Um, right. But if he can, if he can be a plus or, you know, like a, a league average, just a threat from the perimeter as well, I think that'll really help. And I, I think that while Jokic is going to benefit a lot from playing next to Paul Millsap, Paul Millsap, ooh, I think that Millsap. Wilson Chandler is also going to, to benefit a lot because like Chandler is just a, you know, he's a veteran player. And when he's on the court with, you know, if it's going to be Murray, Harris, and Jokic, those guys have been, been in the league very long. So he can finally be like, here's another veteran. They can back me up and like, I can say, hey, this is a good idea. And Paul Millsap can say, yeah, I agree. Or Millsap can say, this is a good idea. And Chandler can say, yeah, like, let's do this, guys. And then you have two voices, um, both, you know, trying to encourage their younger teammates to to use good fundamentals and to buy into the scheme. So I think that that could really help him out a lot, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great mm-hmm. point. I, I, I think you're right. When, like, when I think about him, as I was kind of alluding, I, I think he's got to be great D, but you're right. If he can also bring up his three-point shooting, if he can be an elite three and D guy, that that is perfect. Nuggets do not have that guy on their roster. They definitely need that guy, especially on the defensive end. And then a guy who can sit there and knock down, like you said, three, if he can knock down five, uh, or if he can take five and a half attempts a game and hit on 38%, which is above league average, then that's that's perfect. I mean, and he'll get good looks with with the with the scoring like we talked about with the scoring that is available um, for the Nuggets on offense. The teams aren't going to be locking in on Wilson Chandler by any means. They're going to be watching Nikola Jokic and then everybody who's cutting around Nikola Jokic. And then when Jokic doesn't have a have an out, he's going to get the ball to Millsap, and Millsap's going to be uh, the secondary guy as well. I mean, Wilson Chandler at most is the third guy on teams' game plans, and that's that's counting on Jamal Murray and Gary Harris not making jumps and ended up being those those guys on offense as well. So that that is, I think, I think his being able to play the small forward position will also help because I I know that he has been effective has as a small it. ball four, but I think that right. like you, when he is in that role, he has to really pound down low for rebounds and you know, like setting screens. And that takes a really physical toll on you and takes your legs out of the three-point shot. And for somebody that's had hip injuries like he has, like just being yeah. able to minimize the amount of physical pounding that he takes on offense and on defense, I think should it be able to help him like throughout the season and also help his percentages go up a little bit. Yeah, and, and I that's think... I would say I think also there what will help him too is that he'll help him be a more effective defender because he's as he is a good small ball four but like you, you pointed out when he's got a pound down low I mean that takes away a lot of what he can do um, whereas when he's being as a three uh, he can use his strength to his advantage to help deny guys um, from getting into the lane. So, Evan, what about you? So, let me ask you this. Do you think that, that Wilson Chandler uh, – or, or let me ask – I guess how, how big is it for the Nuggets if Wilson Chandler can be their lockdown wing defender and say every night, okay, whoever the team's best wing player is, we're putting Wilson on him. How big will that be for the Nuggets? It would be huge. Um, obviously, defense is one of the bigger issues that's facing this team right now. And 
when he's going up against guys like Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler and you know Paul George and those guys just within the Jeez. you know the Western Conference here, <laughs> someone's got to step up and do it, and he's the guy for it. Um, so like if he if he buys into that role 100 percent and like focuses on that and knowing he'll still get his points here and there on the offensive end. Uh, you know, especially if he increases his three-point percentage, as you guys were saying, like, and really, you know, you know, like Adam talked a lot about this on his podcast about Wilson Chandler, and like, that's a that's a tough call for him because, um, I think we're going to talk about this in a little bit because you know if he's probably not going to, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to be here next year, and he's going to be wanting um, to get one more like, big contract uh, before you know he he gets too old. He's going to need to score to keep his value up. Right. Um, and so it, it's it's hard to, you know, guard these guys and do a good job at it because, uh, you know, defenders don't really make as much money as those guys who can put the ball in the bucket and get, you know, 20 points a game. So right. if he yeah. buys into that role, Denver's going to be in a great spot. But that's a, you know, that's – I don't really have my hopes that high. Right, yeah, and that that definitely, uh, as you remember, as Adam has brought up, that that is a great point about the fact that he's in a contract year because this is this is his moment where he needs to basically to make his money. And you're right, he's 30 years old, so he's got basically one big contract left in his career. Um, he probably needs to cash in, and and so so kind of building on what what you were talking about there, and, and to get into like the last segment here of the show. Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of be of, of the opinion too. Is like I don't think that he'll probably be here after this season either. Um, I don't. Here's the thing about Wilson. Wilson's so hard to read, a just because of the general person he is. I mean, I, I've had a chance to interview him several times. He's he's pretty, uh, you know, he's pretty seasoned with the media. I would say at this point, he knows he knows how to say what he wants to say and when he wants to say it to basically kind of drive the narrative. Um, so, and then, at, but but at the same point here, <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? Uh, had, at, at the same point here, he um, he's, he's come out in the past and said how much he really likes Denver. So, I don't know as much about whether or not it's a, uh, whether he wants to be here because of the city, but I wonder, I don't think the Nuggets are going to be willing to pay him uh, what he wants to make. And so because of that, I think he's going to probably end up elsewhere, um, which is which is an interesting thing to look at in terms of long-term for the Nuggets because they really, the small forward position, they really don't have any heir apparent unless Juancho Hernan Gomez proves that he can be that player. Dan, what about you, man? Do you think that this is the last year Wilson Chandler is on the Nuggets? Well, first off, I think if we learned anything during the off season. It was that love letters to cities don't mean anything. <laughs> they are so, yeah, right? Gallo. Thank but you. I, I'm going to make a bold statement, and I think that Wilson Chandler is going to lead the Nuggets in scoring this season. Ooh, that is a bold um, statement. Yeah. So I and I I think if he does that, and he proves that he can be healthy, you know, 72, 70 games. That's I think that's a healthy season for most NBA players nowadays. Um, and if he's able to lead the team in scoring and show really the offensive talents that he has and the ability that he has to, to like play really great defense, 
um, I think that the Nuggets are going to want to bring him back. And I, I think he might kind of force their hand because it would look bad to say we're not bringing back our leading scorer. Um, but I think they did that last season too. So it's not <laughs> like they, <laughs> it's not like it hasn't been done before. But I, I think that he's going to prove himself really valuable to the team. Um, I know some, some Nuggets fans are a lot higher on Jamal Murray or think that Nikola Jokic is going to score a ton of points. But I think just with how unselfish this team is, they're, they're going to be looking for someone that's like, hey, like we just need somebody that can assert themselves and get the, bucket, get the ball in the bucket. And I think with his ability to, to shoot from the perimeter, cut, uh, score inside, and get to the free throw line, I, I think he's going to kind of prove himself as this guy that can be like, hey, you know, in this unselfish added, you know, team culture that we have, I'm someone that we can get the ball to, and I can I can score buckets. Um, and then, you know, eventually that might be Jamal Murray, but he's just still, right. you know, so so young in his NBA career. I think I think this is going to be a really big year for Wilson Chandler. Right. That that's an interesting thing. So I am uh, I am the one crazy guy on the Jamal Murray train um, all the way. I actually, yes, I, you are. I actually said why not? I think <laughs> I know. I think he I think he might lead the team in scoring. Um, just because, just because I said, well, I I could I could get into it um, quite a bit, and I, I probably will here in an article soon. But um, Wilson though isn't isn't a bad choice either because we saw it at the beginning of the season last year he definitely carried the team offensively while they were trying to figure out the whole Jokic Nurkic thing, uh, and it wasn't working. And the games that they won, a lot of them they won because Wilson just was like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to be the guy who's gonna score, um, and he he was he was a huge part of their offense. So it's I could see it. I, I've, Evan, what about you, man? What, what do you think of the odds of of Wilson leading the team in scoring? I think he's got a better chance than Murray. To oh, be sure. Uh, I could see it, like especially you know, um, kind of like he was doing, like you were just saying, like earlier in the year when they were trying to figure everything's out. He stepped up big time and he looked great doing it. And uh, I can I can see him doing the same thing again this year, especially as you know. Murray and Harris are still on the younger side. Uh, I think Wilson will – he already knows what he needs to do and stuff. I think he can go out and get his buckets. Um, I don't think the Nuggets will offer him what he expects to get on the market, though. But um, hey, yeah. I, I do Just think- real quick, um, when when he was in that Nurkic-Jokic lineup, you know, he was predominantly just playing small forward. In, in the month of November, he averaged 19.9 points – and 8.2 rebounds per game. Like, those are really good numbers. Yeah, for a small yeah no, he was huge. He was absolutely, yeah. He had uh, he had a, I remember, I mean, the beginning of the year, I even put up a roundtable question. I said, forget sixth man of the year. Let's start talking about Wilson Chandler um, as an all-star. That's 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 how good uh, that's how good he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, beginning of the season, the takes are hot, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you tell you what, guys. Let's we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and call it right there because I think we're we're just get, creeping up on a, about an hour now. So, uh, like I said uh, in the beginning of the show, and, and obviously here at the end of the show, you guys always want to check us out. Of course, DenverStiffs.com. I assume you know about that because if you don't, what are you doing? Um, also, you want to make sure to get us on Twitter at DenverStiffs. I'm at Zach Mikosh. Evan is at EE Fiala. 
Dan is at Minuteman. Dan, make sure to follow all of us as we are getting into the season. We're nine days away from Media Day. I'll be there. Dan and Evan will be behind the scenes as well, helping us out, making sure we get everything posted, all the news that breaks. There's always a ton of stuff that goes on at Media Day. And then after that, it's it's business as usual, man. We're right into the season. So make sure you're following all of us so you can get all the Nuggets news that you want. I need. Uh, also check us out on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Adam Aras has been doing a lot of uh, live Instagrams over there, so you'll want to check that out, especially if you like doing some Q and A's with Adam, which is always great because he's a great basketball mind. Um, and then of course follow us on Facebook. We uh, we started last year doing the live shows pregame. Um, we will be continuing that. We're also going to try and expand on our Facebook live coverage as well. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that you can. You can get there that you're not going to necessarily find on our site. So you want to make sure you're checking us out on all the social media platforms. Uh, all right, Dan, Evan, appreciate you having on. Evan, even though you decided you didn't want to talk about Josh Childress, still good to have you. Appreciate it. <laughs> and Dan, uh, as always, like I said, man, good times. Yep, yep, yep. All righty, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.